Welcome back to the shed. We're still having fun in here. It is still the dead of winter in Vancouver, which means balmy green grass, blue skies to the rest of you in Canada. And this is episode 74. We're so glad you're here with us again. We'll make this a little less spiritual in our last intro, but still, we're here to have fun. We think that's important. We hope you do too. And here we go. Hey, what the hell is this OK Boomer thing? I've already got my defenses way up. Oh, yeah. It's what is this OK Boomer thing? Have you heard about this, KJ? Well, it was one of the young members of Congress, wasn't it? A representative. Right. I think that one is in Australia or New Zealand or something. Um, oh, it wasn't American? No, it wasn't oh, American. Oh, okay, okay. It was fantastic. Like, I, I I heard a podcast about this. I don't know if I'll remember all the details about the podcast, but it really it really quite appealed to me. I mean, I, you know, we're we're old white men, right? We're, we're privileged, I would say. Mm-hmm. Maybe none of us were born into rich families, so we're not that level of privilege. But certainly we never had to worry about um, being taunted in the schoolyard because of our race. Harassed generally. Right, or harassed by others. So we, we have a great privilege. Um, so it's kind of refreshing when we become the target of kind of like uh, bigoted remarks or beliefs. So the, the whole OK Boomer thing is just like like we as boomers are probably the least knowledgeable about this thing, but it's really, uh, prominent in, um, generation Z, which is the generation after the millennials. It would be like, for example, a teenager right now would be generation Z or Z as they say in the States. And they, uh, hang out on, uh, different social media these days things keep morphing and right now a prominent one is called TikTok mm. and TikTok is actually Chinese it's a little scary that way yeah but you can you know record a little video yeah. on TikTok I don't claim to know the details maybe you put funny captions under that I'm not sure yeah, you can do effects and captions yes. yeah so you can do that kind of stuff but it's pretty like on TikTok they do a lot of little musical things showing guys our age giving life lessons to young people like you need to pull yourself up from the bootstraps get out there and look for a job that's how you get work that's what we did when we were kids that's what you need to do like basically a misunderstanding of the entrenched changes in housing prices and and in how easy it is to get a job and in what a university degree is worth now as opposed to earlier things have changed completely and so they show videos of these old guys and they're guys that are kind of like don cherry like only maybe 20 years younger maybe more like our age but you know the guys that are just full of themselves Mm -hmm. and there's a number of people of our generation that i would say qualify in that regard they like to give life lessons to everyone else as an aside that's always been true people who are around 60 or 40 or 50 always like to talk to the young folks about here's how you know kids these days is the general 100 percent. and there's some validity to it too there's a lot of validity to it i mean everyone every single every single generation talks about kids these days as if they're the first to notice it as if they're you know like yeah. Look at all the things we can, and, and I just think it almost never haven't has any validity to speak of. 
So I'm on the side of the kids who are saying, okay, boomer. Oh, so, oh, by the way, so that's your response when people go, yeah, you need to pick up yourself by your, you know, you need to buy a house, get a house. Like the response to that is, okay, boomer. Anyway. There's, and no, then, there's no climate crisis. Okay, boomer. Yeah, there's no, like. We're never going to run out of oil. Okay, boomer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. So I think it's a cool little thing. I like the trend. And I don't in the least feel put upon by it. I don't really either. I think, I do think that it's, it's part of our DNA that we cannot listen to our elders. When we were young, we didn't listen to our elders. They had life experiences that would have been valuable for us to listen to and hear. But, well, I'll speak for myself. I just wrote that right off. Okay, hang on. There's selective listening, though. You would have been listening to some stuff. It just kind of built into you. Yeah, I rejected a whole whack of it. You did. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, on one level, you reject it. But on another level, you're going, oh, I got to get up to work. If I don't, if I don't, if I keep phoning in sick, I'm going to lose my job. I don't know, maybe... Yeah. Maybe that was just the current consequences that caused you to yeah, have any yeah. kind of a, yeah, I think some of Gordy's work ethic-y type slogans, they definitely wormed their way into my subconscious. <laughs> well, I don't know if, the one I think of is my parents advising me to get an RSP when I was in my early 20s working at Kaminko. Mm-hmm. I just, I can clearly remember the indignant, foolish, you know, I just, Oh, that's the craziest thing. It's going to be like 800. Am I going to wait 40 years? It's going to be 40 years before I retire. Why would I start saving for that now? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Or why would I, why would I ever join the Canadian military? Why would I ever do that? That's just, why would I ever become, you know, well, you save money because you'll need it when you're old. You join the military because you (laughs) retire in 20 years on a full pension, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and way other less obvious stuff. I just, because they were old, I rejected it. Yeah. I think you're right though. Generally speaking, a younger generation downplays all the advice they're getting. Well, and I think Mm -hmm. it's actually, I, my theory is it's part of our DNA as a species. We would not evolve if we just slavishly did whatever the prior generation did. Our whole advantage as a species is creative thinking, really. I guess so. But back in times when things didn't change as quickly, Mm. like if you're um, a farmer in the UK and, you know, 1880, it probably wasn't that much different from 1780. And you probably Mm. learn things from your uh, farmer father and, you know, you take that into your work and life philosophies and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Probably easier to beat your children back then, too. Oh yeah. To make sure they learned. There's that as well. Right? <laughs> he said helpfully. <laughs> Jeez. But everything's changing so much with an accelerated pace right now that Yeah. That every generation actually has to respond to systemic changes that have happened since we were kids. Yeah, I don't know. The boomer thing doesn't bother me much. I mean, whatever. I hold forth all the time and I understand that a whole bunch of it sounds exactly like that. So yeah. oh well. But I am holding it. And I'll be using it on you several times. Oh yeah. But if you say it, if you say it, it'll get a way different. You're my peer uh-huh. and I'll know you're yanking me and uh-huh. that'll get a way different reaction than someone who That's is just true. hearing some random old guy say a bunch of random old uh, guy crap. You know what I mean? Okay. Boomer. So don't even think about it. Basically. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that kind of conversation though, in the, in the shuttle, I had an old guy older even than us probably from West Van, his own business. 
in the back seat and a woman in the front and a third passenger. And somehow, oh, I know what it was. The guy in the back said, uh, oh, the other driver, they often ask about the other driver. There's a guy with an English accent, right? I said, oh, I had quite a conversation with him the other day about uh, unions. Uh, he said, because there had been and there continues to be a bunch of unrest within BC Transit's workforce about their contract negotiations. And at the time, they had just averted a walkout with a last-minute negotiated interim deal. And so in the, con- in the shuttle, I guess the conversation they had had was, union guys shouldn't be allowed to go on strike. That's an essential service. They shouldn't be allowed to do it. Then unions are terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And the driver wasn't me at that time, was strongly in favor of unions. And I strongly suspect for his real career, he was in a union the whole time. So this comes up in the car when I'm driving. Turns out the woman in the front seat is the shop steward at a grocery store near me. I see her in the grocery store and she's the shop steward. And the guy in the back starts going. And, and she was really, really good. She just said, well, you know, the thing I don't like about unions is a lot of the people that are, have been in the job for a long time are just slackers. They don't work and the union protects them. And, uh, the guy in the back says, I don't think they should be allowed to go on strike. If you don't like the conditions you're working under, you should just go get another job. And that, that is a thing where you could easily say, okay, boomer. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, for sure. Just go get another job that has that kind of pay and those kind of benefits because why? Because your employer isn't treating you fairly, really? Your employer who's a one percenter and has way, way more yeah. money than they could ever spend. Yeah. So I just piped up and said, well, I was a manager in a union environment for 15 years and I still think there's a place for unions. I think if employers didn't abuse their employees, we wouldn't need unions. And as long as employers continue to mistreat them, we're going to have them. The only thing, the main thing I disliked about unions is they really did protect poor performers and they really did make it hard to deal with discipline. Really, just Mm -hmm. about impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still believe there's a place for them and I still do. I I think there is. Yeah, one of the places I worked, I liked the, the shop steward was pretty well liked on both sides there. And he was pretty good. I had a staff member who was doing something completely unreasonable. And so the three of us are meeting and he just turns to her and says, you know, you don't have a leg to stand on in this thing. I had the same experience. So just like, instead of just saying, no, no, I have to take the employee side. Like I'm a lawyer. Uh, he was more like, what, what did he think was right? So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I had the same experience and it was just like back in the day working at Kaminko member. We all worked there. And at the lead zinc smelter in, in uh, Tadnac there, they had a rail yard. And basically the rail yard had certain places where pedestrians were allowed to cross. And they had signs up around it and it said, if you cross these tracks at anywhere other than an approved pedestrian crossing, you're fired. You are so fired. You're so fired you won't even know what happened. Because guys got killed about every other year crossing that yard off the tracks because they couldn't see the cross traffic, Right. And that was one, this was the steel workers who were no fooling. They're a no fooling union. And they just would never, it was just, no, you cross the tracks, you're done. We can't even talk to you, you're done. And the experience I had at my place of work was kind of like that. A guy, you know, he committed a really egregious uh, 
piece of bad judgment, really super bad. But the union guys just basically said, you're done. Like we've had people come in and say exactly what you said and did and you're done. And I just thought, well, good. We didn't have to, we, we had an arbitration, but it was really uh, a formality. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to just go to the wall simply because he was a union member. They were only going to go to the wall if he was a union member and he was in the right. And he wasn't. So. Well, I can't remember if I told this story here in the shed, but uh, I was working new at Kamenko there. And I was phoning in sick from time to time just for because I wanted to do something else. <laughs> And uh, who among us has not? And they called me into the office, and the shop steward that was Herb Moon, was it? Herb? Oh, yeah. And the shop steward was Ike, I believe. Yeah, and, Ike uh, Glover. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. And I think, well, I don't know. And uh, I think he sat down, and Herb said, Look, you've been phoning in sick on such and such a date. So this is way too often. It's unrealistic. You can't have been sick all those times. And it sure seems like it's often on a, on a Monday or a Friday, you know, much more than it should be. And Ike turned to me and looked me in the eye and said, you're still within your probation period. And I just wanted to make it clear to you, there's absolutely nothing I can do on your behalf at this point. <laughs> and how did you feel at that moment? I basically said, Hey, I won't be phoning in sick anymore. And they said, fine, get on with it. Awesome, that, was, awesome. that was the end of my uh, frequent holidays. Oh, that's pretty good. He was my boss. Her moon was my boss. Mm. He just didn't, you'd phone in sick. In my case, I phoned a couple times when it was for fun and a couple times when it was real. Didn't make any difference. He'd phone and he'd say, Herb Moon, Tadnack Yards, or whatever he would always say. He'd say, hi, Herb. <coughs> this is Pat. Uh, what's your man number? B45. Phoning in sick? Yeah, I'm really, I don't feel click. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't He care, doesn't right? want to hear that. just the, doesn't care. They just look at stats, basically. Yeah. And as a manager, I used to have fun with, uh, it's actually a Dilbert cartoon, but I used to, you know, come in indignant in a manager's meeting sometimes and say, you know, you guys, I've been looking at the stats and 40% of the sick days have been on a Friday or a Monday. Oh. Like, are you spotting the pattern, right? Well, if you think about it, Fridays and Mondays oh, are 40% oh, of the work days. I didn't see it coming. I used Damn to, it. I used to kind of work, That's a very work good the one. managers over to see if I could get them steamed up about that. Jeez. That's shameless. Uh, let me see here. That was a good one, though. I like that. I believe. Oh, there is another thing on here. Man. It's just endless, eh? So Google Trekker, who in the room knows what Google Trekker is or might be? Never heard of it. So this was a thing I saw on Instagram. Uh, the author of it was Lydia, I don't know how you pronounce it, N-G-A-I. She's a photographer, so I don't think she'll mind us using her full name. Let's just say N-G-A-I. Okay, I, I, I'm embarrassed that I don't really know how to pronounce that, but still. Well, it's the NG is usually Vietnamese and it is hard to pronounce properly. So is it just, just guy? Yeah, maybe. Guy. I mean, we, we have a person that we've, uh, work a customer of and she pronounces her name knock. I think it's an anglicization. It's spelled N G O C. Yeah. So she goes knock because I think she wants people to be, have an easy pronunciation, but, yeah. uh, it's hard to say. Well, anyway. This is somebody, I don't even know how I ended up following her on Instagram. I just, no doubt she follows or something, you know, somebody else follows her that I, 
excuse me, that I follow. But she posted this picture and it was this Google tracker. And what it is, is it's a guy with this crazy contraption on his back. And the contraption has a pole that goes up behind his head. And on top of the pole is this round ball with a bunch of lenses in it. Oh, okay. And it's basically... Street, you know, street view for trails. Street yeah. view for trails, historical <laughs> sites, uh, all kinds of stuff. I've never even heard of it. And furthermore, they loan that thing out or those things out. If you're an organization and you want to do something where and record it, they'll loan it to you. You have to be a real organization. They won't probably loan it just to us so we can do it in the shed. No, but don't they loan oh, it like so to. that they can also add to their database? Yeah, probably. But you can do it if you want to capture that and have it added. They'll loan you the thing, yeah. which I thought. And I had no idea that such a thing even existed. And when you look into it, you can do stuff like go look what's inside the Eiffel Tower or those slot canyons in Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. You know, those little narrow places where cars, anywhere where cars don't go, people have been using this thing. And there's a whole raft of material hmm that's been picked up by people doing that. And they've, they've been modifying the backpack thing. I didn't get how much it weighs or how long it runs for. So there'll be more than one though, right? Yeah. There's probably a bunch of them just yeah. like there's more than one car, but I, I just was floored the whole thing. And she just, she had this picture on Instagram of some guy wearing one on a busy city street. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, like I was that. looking the other day at Lake Pontchartrain just cause it figures in so many, so many songs and whatnot. And, uh, there's people took a boat around the perimeter of Lake Pontchartrain. Is that out New Orleans? Yeah. 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 It's right there pretty well. And, uh, so you see this, you know, when you drag the little man in street view and yeah. the, the roads highlight is blue, there's this dotted line that highlights as blue around the lake. Oh. And then, so you start looking at those and you, you see the guys on the boat, you know, the guy driving the boat has a beard and there's a guy on his left and a guy on his right. And this is the same kind of concept. In fact, they might've borrowed that. They probably unit. did. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really the whole thing. I just thought, Oh, that's so cool. And the way she'd written her post, it was clear. She was pretty excited about it. But she must have had some prior knowledge, or maybe she just yeah. asked the guy a bunch of questions. I don't know. It is nice. Street view is just the greatest for all kinds of uses. <laughs> really is. Like, you know, you're not sure where the hell something, where is 4278 Duchess? And so you just do the street view and you see a whole bunch of bushes. Oh, it's because 4878 Duchess on on this part i must have to go to the next street up because i bet you the front of the house is on the next street up i'm sure yeah you know you get oriented with real what's around you yeah i had a customer in a rural area and we were wondering you know if it was going to be a deliverance scenario that i was getting into (laughs) so you go does this look like banjo players on the (laughs) on the front porch there no it actually maybe it's okay so yeah (laughs) i hadn't thought of that you won't know till you get inside but going on over there fire in the hole <laughs> so nice and snug in here oh and a shout out to gromer from cow bay who dropped me off a load of dry maple oh. to get me through christmas oh that's what we're enjoying right now gentlemen it's nice holy well <laughs> shout out to gromer of cow bay i found myself at a christmas party just last saturday night doing that 
And it was with someone my age whose daughter was standing right there. And I, right in the middle of it, I turned to the daughter and said, this is what you do. This age, this is what you do. You talk about your health problem with your kids standing right there, bored out of their mind. That's what you do. And she did not say, okay, boomer. In her, she didn't say it out loud. <laughs> no, she did not. Yeah. I bartended for about two hours at that party too. It was fun, fun, fun. Really is fun. Bart- bartending's good yeah, work. Yeah, it's fun. Really the only mixed drinks they were providing were crantinis and coffee martinis. And I had both recipes right there. Just somebody just tells you how many of them you want. You mix them all up and do the shake thing and put wow. them in and add ice and add oh. a couple of little cranberries. Oh, you were uh, using a shaker and oh, everything. Oh, it was all the options. Nice. Really fun. And then nice. you wipe the counter busily oh, in between right, because, right. you know, you're... How's your day going? Yeah. Right. And it's always it's also very important to pick up the glass and get a little towel. <laughs> and it's it's a trope. It's always no. every bartender on TV always has yeah, to. No, yeah. Sadly, I was down to plastic cups when uh, okay. there was all about a big stack of plastic cups. Who, who's was, the party for? It was just Christmas party. Uh, Betty of Betty of North Van, who is not a listener, even though she is a subscriber. <laughs> who's managing the subscription list? I'd like to know. Me, that's who. Um, she throws this party every year. Oh. It's really fun. That karaoke, and somebody shouted it down. <laughs> really? No karaoke. That's a good party. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right, right in the middle when someone's singing. No, they they just started dragging it out and getting it set up and everything, and somebody just said, "Really?" They disallowed it. it. Oh, that's yeah. pretty mean. Well, not the hosts, other guests. Just but said, karaoke can be one of the funnest uh, things to I, do. I was kind of looking forward to it. I practiced <laughs> all day long. I looked up the lyrics for L O V E. I was all ready, you know. But the bartending was still fun. That party every year features people dancing on a hassock. Every year for nine years, that thing has had at least three full-grown adults dancing on it, and it's still there. Like I, <laughs> some of these full-grown adults are not petite either. Have you ever done that, skinny? No, of course not. I'm a grown-up. I don't do stuff like <laughs> dancing, bunch of music, yelling and screaming. I never do that. Um, but that thing is still there. We have hassocks at home, but they're not that big. They're uh, two feet by two feet. Yeah. And, uh, do you ever dance on them, Archie? Uh, no, but I do flip it open and grab a blanket with uh-huh. fireplace on. The temperature <laughs> up to 72. Game but, of Thrones, maybe? Game of Thrones. Shuffles yeah. over with his oatmeal. And his goblet of wine. His <laughs> goblet. <laughs> It's great. The goblet thing just slays me. Like, who has? Is it metal? Is it all shiny and encrusted with fake jewels of some sort? Or and do you uh, do you call the hounds every now? And do you only do that when Took's around? Maybe it's yeah. only when Took's there, nest snuggled up at your feet. The the glass bottom tankard, so you can see your your enemies oh. pulling their knives under the table oh, through yes. your drink. Yes, yes, that's where that came from, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Tuke, uh, I had him at David Gray Park yesterday, and uh, he got an A-plus and gets along well with others. You know, <laughs> couldn't believe because usually he's a bit of a bully in the in the old playground. He charges, he knocks puppies over, you know, and he, he looks other dogs in the eye sideways with his tail erect, and he's going, you want to go? You want to go? Come on, come on. And then... And then side eye is really a bad thing in dog world. And then the moment that another dog goes, Hey, don't look at me that way. He's what, what, what? He comes, (laughs) leans into my leg going, what's the, what's going on here? 
I know. Yesterday he ran with the kids. He did. He's just fine. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't know. We'll get mail on that one, but it's, it's funny because those are so recognizable. Those behaviors are so recognizable. Mm, yeah. Even those little idiots that I walk do stuff like that. Eh? If they're guarding your food, their food, they got a little piece of kibble and you come to pet them, they give you a side eye. Uh-huh. They lower their heads and they <laughs> give you a side eye. Oh, oh, don't worry. No, I wasn't. No, I'm backing off. You know, and they're chihuahuas. They weigh like five pounds. Yeah. Backing off. Hey, well, I did uh, Game of Thrones earlier, uh, maybe in the last episode, I guess. Uh, and another uh, recommendation, hardly recommend Stumptown. Oh, wow. Heard of it? I've seen previews for it. It did actually look, it doesn't add a, is that a female detective? Yeah, really, really fun. Uh, I didn't know, like we've been to Portland many times on vacation. Apparently right. Portland is called Stumptown perhaps by the. Well, probably because it was founded on the wealth of the logging boom in early Oregon. Must have been. Must have been. Nice yeah. I know. I can make stuff up I like know. nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of a fun sort of a palate cleanser kind of show. You know, you just want to like yeah. sit down, ease in, see some funny scenes, see, see some exciting stuff, good interrelationships in the characters, lots of character development. Kind of a hipster guy runs the bar, she hangs out in the bar, and they got a thing going, or do they? You know, that kind of interpersonal relationships, lots of cool scenes. Where do you see it? Maybe one of the, maybe CTV. Oh, like a real show with commercials. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. And and they've, they're no longer, like they do two finales in a year, right? So we got the December finale, Uh. happened about a week ago, and then I think the show starts up again in January. So you could kind of pick it up in January without having watched the first bit. Mm, wow. Stumptown, really fun show to watch. Okay. Well, I'll see your Stumptown and raise you a K-drama. Bring it on, Ghost. Oof. All those K-dramas are just, again, a ghost one, right? Love them. You know, really cute female ghost. The guy can see ghosts because he had an encounter with a ghost as a child. Of course. They fall in love, of course, and it's untenable because she's a ghost. But, oh, hey, turns out she's only been in a coma for five years. Uh, I mean, oh, you know, you're just your old heart. Oh, so she warms might. warms the cockles of your old heart. She might to come to it. life is what. She may do. Of course, there's a bad guy seeking to kill her because she was. She knows something. Yeah, about the bad guy. He's he's. Uh, is this a, on Vicky? You watch that on? No, Vicky? actually, I don't. I'm just Netflix, just plain old Netflix. Oh, bring it on, ghost. There's a bunch of like because I've watched those. My Netflix feed is now just polluted with. So K- is mine. Everything. So is mine. Ridiculous. Southeast Asian dramas. Yeah. Speaking of palate cleansers, I guess you guys have heard or seen Veronica Mars? I've only seen one or two episodes. It didn't grab me. Boy, it was fun. Yeah, I just, yeah we watched all the way through the end. It got better and better, too. Yeah. And the the last series finale, which was done 10 years later, very, very well done. See, I, I always used to think that the long engagement period was a K-drama specialty, but I think you got to give almost any series at least three episodes, and that's if they're one-hour episodes, to to get in absolutely uh the better the series the maybe the harder work it is to get yeah, in. yeah maybe i mean breaking bad i gave up after two episodes same and then never went back and then i went back and it was like about three episodes after i'd given up it was like oh my god i gotta watch this entire thing oh, it was geez. just amazing yeah, yeah i it must be 
I've always thought, like I said, that was a K-drama thing and that a really good series would hook you immediately, but it may be that you got to give a pretty big investment to any of them. It's a mix. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be fun to know whether a real quick hook results in a very short series life too. If you spend all your bullets just getting somebody in the door, is it over for you or hmm. what? I don't know. Questions, questions, questions. Plaguing the minds of young people today. So listeners, a while ago, this is sort of apropos of nothing, but a while ago we were having a conversation over a dinner and somebody dropped something and one of us said, fumble. And somebody else said, dirty darn, I don't know. And then it was the full thing. It was the Red Red Cross blood donor commercial was what I was thinking of. And and it, the, the line goes somebody's at the doctor and they're in a bed and they're looking concerned and the doctor in the white coat is standing beside the bed and the person who's concerned said, today, tomorrow, and the doctor is looking very serious. And the doctor eventually turns towards the camera and says, I try to do my job, but I can't do it without your help. And it's a pitch for blood donation, right? Yeah. Try to find that. Try. I don't know when it was filmed, and I don't know if it's the same one that has somebody dropping something and the kid says, dad, fumble, dirty, darn. Completely different. I think they might be, but that's another one. Like, what was that an ad for? I want somebody out there in the world to tell us, because I did try to Google these and just couldn't get any satisfaction at all. And the dirty, darn fumble thing, I just no idea. So the listeners, it's on you. Our future mental peace depends mm. on answers. Did you find any Lotta Hitchmanova? No. The what? Unitarian Services Committee? <laughs> no. Those are good ones too. What is, what is, um, <laughs> I said get down off of there. Is that from a Joni Mitchell song? Yes, it is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nothing's any good. Yeah. Court and, and Spark, isn't it? Uh, Hegira. Uh, okay. But what's interesting about that is that that song that she's doing there is not her song. She didn't write it. Um, yeah, like I was watching her being interviewed. It's from an old interview and she was talking about this album that she listens to. Uh, and I I can look it up in a moment, uh, that she listened to in the late fifties, early sixties and it's vocalese. So, you know, Manhattan transfer, there's an earlier band, the one that Joni Mitchell listened to. Manhattan Transfer sounds like they're just basically copying this early band. Ah. And vocal ease, all vocal ease is if you have a saxophone playing a certain lead riff, yeah. the, the words follow that riff. Oh, you so sing, sing the same tune as the instrument's playing. You're doing a solo. Yeah. Your, your song is a solo. It's not a verse and a yeah. chorus. You're soloing. And your voice is going, that's what vocal ease means. I didn't know that. I didn't know oh. that either. Well, so, I, but there are a couple songs that you go, oh, these are, that's a classic. Jo- didn't Joni Mitchell do that really well? Like the first track on side two of Court and Spark, my analyst told yeah, me. Yeah. That's, exactly that's not her song. No. That's this vocalese band song. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, I would, I would have bet hear. that that was a. A cover. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would, would not. I would have bet that it was an original for sure. That because the way she does it, I just thought she must have written this. Right. But I would man. have bitten. And that's, driver on the top. Yeah. yeah. Boop shooby. Flip city. Flip city. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even her lines, like the um, 
the lead that she yeah. does with her voice is identical. Oh. Like, so she basically covered it straight up. Yeah. It's an amazing song. Well, yeah. I really like that tune. And I'm pretty sure it's one of her more well-known, 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 mm-hmm. well-known tunes too. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. So you go ahead and do your one more thing. I'll be searching for what the name of that album is. No, no. So nice. It, and so it goes, and it's pretty well verbatim. But Joni Mitchell, before she was even a performer, she, this was her album. She just listened to it like five times a day, kind of thing. One of those kind of albums. You know, you just mentioned, what was her name? Ludmila Michkanova? Lotta Hitchmanova. Lotta Hitchmanova. This is Lotta Hitchmanova of the Unitarian Services Committee. I don't remember any of that. Because I just this morning, our good friend, I'm going to say that, uh, even though hopefully he listens to this and denies it, but our good friend Terry O'Reilly of Under the Influence did a tweet today, and he said, Twitterland, I need your help. Most obnoxious commercials ever. So he's done that before, I'm sure. And I re- replied from the Shed Dogs account on our behalf. And I said, I'm sure we would all agree that any of the Charmin commercials are among the most obnoxious ones we've ever heard. And the reason I use that one is because A, it was really obnoxious. And B, I'm sure he used that in at least one other episode as an example of negative marketing. Mm-hmm. You play an ad that really super freaking annoys people. And you would think that would be really bad for the product, but no, they go into a store, they're looking for paper towel and they think, what the hell's the name of that stuff, that ad? I hate that. Oh, Charmin. Your brand recognition goes way up because they retain the memory of the brand name because it's a horrible commercial. And that Ludmila, Ludma Michkanova, that might be one. There's others too. You know, no, I brought that up just because it it was it was of the era of the Red yeah. Cross commercial. I'm sure well, on and, CBC and Dirty Darn Fumble was another one. You know where you kind of think, oh God, it's not amusing or funny or cute. You think this is the stupidest thing ever, but here we are, 45 years later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> quoting it. So if you have any of those, get them to our buddy Terry. Under the but, I'm sorry. What? Uh, what? What's, what's the offensive Charmin ad? Is it? The, is it a bear? Ladies, please don't squeeze the Charmin. So the the pitch oh, is it's oh, on right, the it's shelf soft. and people are squeezing it. Oh, it's yeah, so yeah. soft. And then Mister Whipple, the super annoying store guy, comes around and nags them about squeezing the Charmin. And he's supposed to be super annoying. Like he's on purpose super. And annoying. then does he squeeze it himself? Yeah, I think he does after after they leave. He secretly, of course he does, because there's all kinds of secret things about Mr. Whipple. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking perv. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Twitter thing's pretty mixed bag for me. I hear it's on its way out. Yeah, do you? Huh. People are getting off it because it's just too corrosive? I have no idea. I think the youngsters don't use it. Do we have an Instagram account? We sure do. Oh. No. Wait. Instagram? We do not. I just got the head It's all the rage and apparently TikTok, so we, we better get on all well, that. Well, TikTok's right? get on TikTok. I see Let's t- do it. I see TikTok used all the time on Instagram. That's the only reason I know it exists. Uh-huh. On Instagram, you can oh. do still pictures or you can do videos, but they have something called your story. 
and it's a, right. a short video and it's temporary. It doesn't last very long. Let's go on TikTok and do nothing but criticize China and see if our account gets banned. By the way, that was fascinating. That thing you sent. Did you see that? No, no I don't RJ think so. sent a link to somebody and it was ostensibly about how to crimp your eyebrows. And so you run this clip and there's this young Asian woman and she's using these eyebrow crimper things is terrifying to watch because she's just incompetent. looks like she's going to pull her <laughs> eye right out of her head. And she's talking about repression and uh, control in China. Like she's talking about sociopolitical issues in China. The whole thing is just a beard, like the name of it. And the fact that she's on there doing something with these things, it's a beard in case it's lightly screened by somebody. She's uh, using it to deliver uh, like, messages to the outside world have you just Whoa. have you just outed her have you thrown her under the bus well oh. no rj did <laughs> uh, a little while ago we were struggling to remember the name of a syndrome where the captor falls in love with or where the captive falls in love with the captors couldn't remember it we knew it was some sort of it's stockholm syndrome okay rj you tried out helsinki syndrome okay. and uh it turns out it's the other way around. When the captors fall in love and adopt the values of the captive. That oh, really? is Helsinki syndrome. Oh. Yeah. Who knew? Not me. They're both Nordic cities. <laughs> yeah. What the hell's going on in those? A lot of captives and captive captors, I guess. They're big into uh, falling in love with people based on a power thing. Yeah. But that was uh, first became popular with Patty Hearst, right? Yeah, that was Stockholm. Yeah. She adopted the values of the Symbionese Liberation Army. That's right. And then there were videos of her holding the weapons and stuff like well, that. Well, a okay. bank video. <laughs> when, they, when they hustled that oh, bank. Right, they robbed right. a bank and they showed her she had a machine gun in hand. Some of this stuff is better than fiction, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And she was a rich girl and the whole thing, you sort of think. You, we talked in here about uh, white privilege and how we've talked in the past, at least I have, about how hard it is to come to grips with the fact yeah, that we have white privilege, that we are privileged. Well, Patty Hearst was really, really wealthy from a very influential family. Imagine. Rosebud. How, yeah, exactly. How it was getting into her head. It was probably pretty straightforward. Yeah. Citizen Kane was based on her father, correct? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yes. William Randolph. Randolph Hearst. William Randolph. Okay. So. I'm looking for the commercial. It's got to be here someplace. <laughs> 56 Spark Street, Ottawa Falls. Yeah. Everything was at 56 Spark Street. Like what is it? Oh, and, and that's her. She has a museum there now, apparently. Like I think maybe, you know, uh, who's who in Hinterland? Yeah. That yeah. might have been at 56 Spark Street too. Whatever organization <laughs> was behind that, you know. See, you, you, do have the, you do have that in your head. What? Who's who in Hitchland? Well, no, that that lot of Hitch was part of all that <laughs> that era, right? Well, it's just that address seemed to come up. It seems in my head that it came up more than once. Here's a post: Fifty Six Spark Street, Canada's most famous address. And nice. When you, when you click on that, it comes to this article. Dr. Lotta Hitchman. <laughs> what else? Anything? Nineteen oh nine to nineteen ninety. Oh, and then 56 Park Street, Canada's most famous address. 
Why is it that so many visitors come to Ottawa from across Canada and after taking a tour of Parliament Hill, they find themselves strolling down the Spark Street Mall when all of a sudden they catch sight of a big door with the number 56 on top of it. Their eyes pop out with incredulity. They come to a quick stop and then they start taking souvenir snapshots. I would 100% do that. To show the folks back home to prove that there really was and is a 56 Spark Street. Millions of Canadians of a certain age. <laughs> okay, boomer. Boomers, yes. Yeah, Still exactly. remember hearing that distinctive voice floating through the airwaves. This is Lada Hitchmanova of the Unitarian Service, 56 Spark Street, Ottawa 4. Through her almost daily TV and radio PSAs in the 1960s and 70s, Lada made 56 Spark Street perhaps Canada's most famous address. So it was just that. Through, well, so, yeah. so we would have heard it on radio too, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. CJAT. Jeez, I would have thought there was a bunch of organizations out of there. So that there you go, another example of uh, manufactured memory. I don't know. It might have been they might have been sharing an address. And I would a hundred percent do that. If I if I saw that building, I would definitely get my picture taken yeah. in front of it. I yeah. would a hundred. I forgot all about it when we were in Ottawa. Oh, too bad. I wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah, that's the thing. You'd have to be aware that you were on Spark Street, even and now. Even now, would be a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Listener mail? Yeah, let's do uh, some more listener mail. Just continuing Susan from Rossland's uh, tome. <laughs> <laughs> Don't anyone stop listening now just because he said the word tome. We had an article, or uh, we had an episode where we talked about our best and worst jobs. And so we're now going to hear from Susan about hers. Best and worst jobs both involve paper. Best job was one summer at Kaminko when I filled in for the guy in charge of stationery in the basement of the general office. It was like having my own little shop, receiving freight, arranging all the shelves, and my most favorite part of all, making, ta-da, brown paper packages tied up with string. Ooh, getting those corners sharp and matching up all the folds. And I had the whole place to myself, but could visit with the guys across the hall and printing like the old fashioned main street chat between shop owners, but ensconced in the general office topic. At one point, Kaminko was almost like a self-contained city with a cafeteria, full-time artists and photographers, etc. I worked on the latest incarnation of the newsletter called after hours, Hours being spelled O-U-R-S. And we did several articles on the unusual jobs once available on the Hill. Worst job? When I was in IT, which was then called Data Processing Services, it was located in the old West Kootenai building in downtown Trail. I was in the computer room working shift work running programs overnight. We printed off the entire warehouse catalog plus all kinds of other paper-heavy programs, and we had a huge store of continuous forms in the basement. My partner was off sick one night, so I was alone in that old building and had to go to the basement to bring up paper. And just because I am that kind of nutcase, I had just discovered Stephen King and was reading Graveyard Shift about a guy who works in an old building with a spooky basement, which goes down layers upon layers into the earth and is populated by enormous albino rats. It was great. 
I had the cardio workout equivalent of 50 wind sprints by the time I finished that shift. <laughs> so, so I was a little unclear about whether or not it was just the one shift was the worst job or just generally that was the worst job. It must be that one shift though. Scary basement. Oh yeah. We well, talked about that being in the dark as well, although I'm sure it was lit, but scary. One more from Susan Rossland. Favorite teachers? I, like PJ, immediately thought of Mrs. Barbara Bowen. I was apprehensive about going to grade one, but then there was Mrs. Bowen. The moment I came into her glowing aura, I knew all would be well. RJ was commenting on how we think of those teachers so long ago in our lives, but even more noteworthy is they remember us. All those kids that they taught, wow. I used to run into Mrs. Bowen every so often, and she knew me immediately. I had Mrs. Bowen in grade one too. And I remember my first day, Susan was already in there because she was in grade two. Yeah. 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 Remember that clearly. I went to her funeral and told all of her children just how beloved she was to her vulnerable little charges. And that's, as an aside, that's a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, the, the kids would totally appreciate that. Yeah. Mr. Room, because he made me realize just how much fun science could be. Really, how could anyone not like Mr. Room? And her third choice, Mr. Sinclair, because he gave me a really good mark on a very personal poem I wrote in search of Susan. I know it's pompous, but come on, I was an angsty teenager. Got a tender, wobbly, unsure, trying to figure out life sort of age, grade 11. I can't tell you how much that affected me. It gave me a confidence, at least in one area, when I didn't have much confidence in anything. He's on Facebook, still coaching field hockey, and his teams are still winning. Thank you, Susan. That's an awesome yeah. note and a good peen to three different teachers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, Susan did write a lot of poetry. A lot of it was really good, too, actually, in high school. Mm. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but a lot of it was really good. Okay, Mr. Sinclair, uh, we've got the three of us in the room. KJ, you had him as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, just a quick no comment on a ranking from one to 10, where 10 is your best teacher ever and one is your worst teacher ever. Sorry, sorry. Got to be clear. Best, worst, liked, or best, or worst? For you, personally. Best, worst, worst, liked? For you, personally. Not whether they were liked by others or not, just you. Where does one to 10? 10 where I love them, one where I do not? Yes. Just whatever comes into your head. Yeah, roughly five. Okay, KJ? Sinclair? Yes. Oh, he's an eight or nine. Eight or nine, good for you. And for me, he's a two or a three. So I was trying, but I, but I did notice in general that I haven't met a woman yet who had him as a teacher that didn't really like him a lot. Huh. Oh. So it was just a thing. So that's why I wanted to just do a little well, sampling in the, on the, from the male side of the house here. And I feel. And we got a middle, we got a top, and we got a low. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I feel sort of bad about that low rating, but it was partly because of, honestly, all the girls liked him. Oh, and that, that, that kind of that downgraded in your mind. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Although they all liked Mr. Room and I didn't hold it against Mr. Room. Mm. I held yeah. it against Mr. Sinclair though. Yeah. I don't know why. And also there was his whole business with you, RJ. It, you could, you could see that going on. You yeah. could see this headbutting going on between RJ and Mr. Sinclair. Mr. Sinclair, he, and also because I was a prefect. Mm, right. And I was the head prefect, you know, you got this whole look at, at 
stuff. He was the sponsor of the prefects too, wasn't he? Yes. yes. And he was a good sponsor of prefects, but it made you question the prefect system a little bit, you know, like why, I mean, it was great for me. I got to have the little room and eat ice cream and it was good, but kind of crappy too. Like, uh, you know, how it was all done was mm. kind of crappy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. Anyways. And I wasn't respectful of the past anyway. It just was not built into me. And he, to me, he felt like Tom Brown's school days. Like yeah. you create these bullies and you like it that they're bullies. I remember him talking about when these grade eight kids and they're disrespectful, you should thump them in the snowbank. That was his term for push them in the snowbank, you know, beat them up a little bit, teach them. Yeah. And stuff like that where you just kind of think, oh, come on. And was the prefect system brought in by him? Yes. Oh, was it? Yes. There was no prefect system, prefect system before he came there. That, really? that was my belief anyway. Maybe I'm wrong about it. I didn't it, know that's yeah. possible. I, I never yeah. even thought about how long they'd been. And I knew was, they were doing it for the whole time I was in that whole school. Yeah. And it was kind of like this. And what country is he from? Australia or something? Or New Zealand. New Zealand. Whoa, heinous insult there. New yeah. Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. 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 But it did have the old private school air to it. Yeah, Exactly. And yeah, I just didn't did like you guys that kind of thing. Do you have to wear ties? Do you have to? No. No. No, so you had to do hall duty and stuff. And it was yes, generally, yeah, it was right a good the prefects team. at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, generally. <laughs> anyway, I didn't, he, he brought in, he brought in. Um, I'm blushing. Or, I'm, I'm ashamed 45 years later. How many were, were there? A, a dozen? dozen, yeah, yeah. Six of each. I don't know. He started uh, writing and directing 11. Mm. And that's probably, that's where Susan was probably talking about because we did, she was doing lots of poetry then, but that was the greatest class ever invented as far as I was concerned. Oh my God, we had fun in that class. Yeah, I bet you would. Yeah. And, and, um, I'm just trying to, if I, I'm trying to think if I noticed, um, the, the male female thing with him and I don't know, maybe I did, but maybe it just disappeared because I was so included in that class. Yeah. Maybe it was fun. But I remember writing a nasty, we had to write it something. Maybe it was supposed to be in the form of a poem, I don't know. But it was because I wanted to be a prefect. Mm. And he definitely poo-pooed that. And I wrote this essay about who do you think you are? buddy like uh-huh. and i don't know it was in that class so i don't know how that went over in the end but well and in fairness to the girls there was some girls that he would butt heads with too like okay it wasn't just all boys i i may be incorrect but i think uh laurie still of rossland that was in my grade i think she was one that had some run-ins with them i believe carol s of rossland also had some run-ins with him I could be wrong in both counts, though, and I don't know whether it was ended in love. You know, I, I don't know whether they all decided to respect each other in the end or not, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. seems to me there was Well, some... Lori, the Lori you're talking about, I know she had fun in that class. In the writing and directing? Yeah. 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 But I'm not sure what else they had with him. So writing and directing, so it was partially drama, the directing part? Or is that a different yeah, use of the term? Yeah, he invented the class, right? Is it possible that your interest in drama kind of kicked off there? Or? Um, um, no, I was already, I already had 
certainly some kind of interest, but all of a sudden there was sort of something tangible in front of me. Were you involved in light opera back then? Oh yeah. I know he was, he was, but I just don't remember if it oh, was. how far back yeah. it was. Well, no, my mom was. I thought so, you were. No, I always thought that I, I uh, sang Old Man River when I was 16, but as it turns out, I was 18. Mm-hmm. So I was, mm-hmm. I might've been in grade 12 then, but, but uh, I, I, but I don't think I did anything before that. Okay. Just wondered. Yeah. Uh, because I always thought they had something to do with it, and and I don't know if you remember when they were going to change when they're going to shut the school down, and yeah. uh, that big thing. Well, they said they sent out these classes, and one of the classes was is either Coral Eleven or Coral Twelve, and I saw that and I went, I would take that class, and I ticked it, and it was the only one any class that was offered that would be offered in trail and not in Rossland that somebody selected. It was the only one. <laughs> Nobody else, everything else was offered in Rossland. Yeah. And the case was that we don't need to move. We don't need to yeah. change anything here yeah. except yeah. for that yeah. one little vote. <laughs> yeah. One last thing, because uh, I've enjoyed all of these uh, Susan's points here. So we might as well close with number eight, her last one. OMG, I believe that means oh my god. Yeah. Excellent, RJ. Excellent. Uh, I love when PJ brings tales from the shuttle and also when he goes into his different voices. Cheesy advertising man, cranky old man. As an aside, I think that's native, <laughs> that's, really. Is that an act? <laughs> Etc. And yes, I can hear him smoking a sarcastic cigarette with some of them. And KJ's quiet chuckle. And when RJ every so often completely loses it and can't stop laughing, uh, rare, but so worth it. Okay. Um, I have to end it here or I'll exceed maximum allotment. Expect upcoming missives on other hot topics such as union activism. I have quite a different perspective. We got into that a little bit today. That'll work. Yeah. Lots of love to all of you, my favorite dogs, Susan. Thanks huh. so much, yeah. Susan. That Very is nice. awesome. Very nice. And uh, what else? We've got other ones here, too. We've got another. Um, there is another Susan one there, too. Right. It was an email. That's right, because, PJ, I believe you now stock oh, Kleenexes in your uh, That is shuttle. correct. There was some. And we talked about situations in which a woman it could be a guy as well yes. but a woman might cry and she says the subject don't be afraid of feminine tears message i've always been a ridiculously easy crier pj can probably attest i often say don't worry about it it's like a facial tick i know that there are lots of times that men freak out about women's tears but in my opinion just don't it's just a thing i don't want to be seen as psycho or extra tender because i cry easily on the other hand i do not eschew sympathy or anything like that (laughs) so so if you want to if you want to feel bad and offer comfort and everything she's good with that but just don't feel like you have to because it's really not that big (laughs) that's right but if you want to be because uh when was the last time you used eschew in your normal dialogue yeah Yeah. all you young emailers out there if you get a chance to use eschew if that's how you pronounce it you take it you do that all right Yes, I, I have a friend who told me the other day that he cries really, really easily. 
Really? Yeah, he said he started bawling at the finale of uh, Breaking Bad when it all came to a close. And he's got a reputation in the movies or whatever. And uh, and his family loves him for it. You know, it's a little, it's just a thing. I think it would be, I'm in, in, in a sense, I'm kind of envious. Well, it's got to be cathartic. Because it feels good. When you get those little tears welling, it's a nice, it's actually a nice feeling. Mm. Catharsis. Oh, my God, I, I cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah. I cry in my show on stage in Bahumbug sometimes. Oh, just, and the, then... I cry at ideas sometimes. Yeah. I'm yep. just a little sucker. And probably when you know that PJ and I are coming over as well. Yeah. There's some tears there. Joy. There's a little dance around in here. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. The guys are oh, this is so good. So do you cry so that the audience is going, wow, this guy. No. No. no they don't know. Sometimes it, it catches my voice because oh, I'm singing. Oh, right, right, at right. At this one point and I go... <laughs> you know, like, no, I don't know if you can see it, but yeah. Oh, no, I, you know, it's really, I'm, I'm really easy mark for that. There's a really good one here from Lee also. After episode 69, Dogged, Dead or Alive. That, that's one where he talked about. <laughs> oh, we're going to get some email. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> see, I was almost going <laughs> to say Dirty Darn. I don't know. Because he does that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, Dog of Dead or Alive was about the wanted dead or alive with, with uh, young Steve McQueen. Young, fresh-faced, blue-eyed Steve. Don't move your face at all for 20 seconds while we run the credits over. Just stare at the camera. Because if you notice that, it's oh. really weird. He just stands there. It's strange. That yeah. It's like the, you're thinking, what's the director doing? The director tells him to stare, and he's not staring at the camera. He's staring slightly off camera. Oh, okay. The whole thing is just strange, but that's all he does. He looks hot. Yeah, exactly. His job is to look like, yeah. So the movie is what? (laughs) It's this TV series, Wanted Dead or Alive. We played their theme music. Yes, 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 yes. And in in the opening credit for that, when the theme music's playing, he just stands there absolutely immobile. Oh, so you see this every episode. Yeah, and he's just staring, dead serious, not blinking, nothing. And RJ's, he's just supposed to look like a hot, young, deadly cowboy or something, you know, like, holy crap, it's pretty weird. So from Lee, she's responding to that episode, Dog of Dead or Alive. She says, if you can believe it, Wanted Dead or Alive with Steve McQueen had three seasons with a total of 94 episodes, 94, like kids today have no idea, she says. And then she says, giant screens for foosball matches, because in that episode we had talked about you know, when the world finals are on there, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And she says, you dog scratch your head about pickleball tournaments on the subject of service surveys. Cause we had touched on that too. Like they always ask you for a survey. And if you say anything other than perfect, you get an immediate follow-up. That's what could we do to be better? You could stop bugging me for perfect scores. That would be a start. And she says on the subject of service surveys, my Nissan dealership emails a survey after each servicing appointment. And I dutifully filled in the first one. I gave them mostly eight out of 10 because everything they did was fine. And eight out of 10 roughly equated with good. 10 out of 10 was exceeded expectations and nothing did. Everything was just fine, but it didn't exceed. I mean, they didn't do the oil change and shine shoes and take me to dinner. They did their job (laughs) just fine. Well, I got a call from the service manager essentially saying, oh my God, this is awful. Anything less than a 10 is essentially a fail. Could you do the survey again? She says, uh, no, 
Needless to say, I don't do their surveys anymore. And before you ask, Shed Dogs is a 10. Aww. Just say that again, Shed Dogs is a 10. All right. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, there's more. There's more. Oh, the Big Brother thing that we mentioned earlier. I'll just, I'll cut out some of this, but basically... Big Brother may have reached even beyond that. This morning, I thought, just thought about looking up reviews for knife sharpeners on Wirecutter, which RJ, you've introduced me to. It's a really useful product research site, which tests and, ex- and reviews an extremely wide range of products. I had never looked at that website or looked up anything about knife sharpeners anywhere for that matter. So I went online, logged into the website, and what was the first category of products to come up? Yep, knife sharpeners. I'm thinking I might try lottery tickets next. And, uh, she says in this thing that the Wally's burgers sign that we had talked about on Mm -hmm. Kingsway near the Purdy's chocolate, Mm -hmm. she says, I can't look this up right now. And has she ever looked anything up? I wonder every response she's ever given us is right from memory. Anyway, can't look this up right now, but in the back of my mind, I think that Trooper used that spot as a backdrop for one of their album covers, the boys in the bright white sports car, maybe. Hmm. So, I don't know, you guys, Trooper fans, I, you and I once saw Trooper live in concert. Sue saw, Sue had, Trooper came and performed at their high school for their grad dance. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. And she said it was amazing. I bet it you was. You can imagine. Yeah. Oh, we saw them at McMahon Stadium. Uh, they were on with oh, Alice Cooper course, and the Atlanta Rhythm Section. That's right. That was an that, epic concert. That was an experience in half. What year? Uh, it's 78. 78? 77? maybe earlier. Can't remember. Somewhere in there. just an amazing concert. The whole thing was... It was remarkable in the sense that the wind came and blew a whole speaker bank over. (laughs) Right in the middle. Right in the middle of of the amazing Rhythm Aces. No, the Atlanta Rhythm Rhythm section. Oh, Atlanta Rhythm (laughs) section. And their big hit was, I'm so into you. I am so so into into you. you. They're doing that. And can't see nothing. And... Oh, and then there's like, there's like a half an hour recess. Longer. Well, it was it quite was a while. Long, yeah. <laughs> Just Amazing the, nobody was killed. Uh-huh. Oh, and it started pouring rain, the fans. So this was held McMahon Stadium. So they had this giant tarp over the whole field. So it started pouring rain. People start yanking the tarp up and going under Underneath. It. So the whole tarp is yeah. doing this. And it's I'll, like, oh. I'll, Others are getting on the tarp and a ring of people would be tossing them up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) The security guys must've just shed their jackets in a secret place and gone home. Cause man, the stuff that was going under the tarp, you know, you go under there pitch black every now and then you'd hear the sound of breaking glass and you'd sort of think, Oh my God, I, I can't see anything. I don't want to, you know, like the whole thing was just nuts. Uh, But yeah. That was Trooper in 77. I'd forgotten that they were the openers for that. Yeah. yeah. They, that was quite a lineup when you think about it. Alice Cooper was a headliner. He was the feature. Yeah. And, and then he it, finally came on, but it felt like two hours later. Yeah, it was pretty long. Yeah. It was really long. That was another excellent set of emails though. From yes. From listeners. So thank you very much for that, you guys. It was really mm-hmm. fun. That was everything we have for this week. That was just an excellent bunch of email again this week. 
I wonder if it isn't a good idea for us to save it up like that so we get to have an enormous dollop all at once. It's fun for us, anyways. We didn't even get through it all, <laughs> so we'll have more next <laughs> yeah, next. We episode. probably will, but you know, don't let that uh, impede further emails. If you want to write, make sure and write. It's not like we can ever have too much. So do that. And thanks very much for listening. I hope your Christmas was great, and I hope your new year is looking good too. We will talk to you soon, right, boys? Who are you? Who are you yeah, over I'm, there? I'm KJ. RJ. And PJ. Ooh, we almost went there again. We're all wishing you well. Oh, happy new year. <laughs> Let the wild rumpus begin. <laughs> Thanks, boys.